In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The story of the prodigal son that we hear this morning is one of the best-known stories in all the Gospels. And in my opinion, it is easy to see why, since it immediately seems to connect to us in one way or another. Has, anyone not, has any one of us not felt like the prodigal at some point in our lives? I know that whenever I hear this parable, something resonates with me, and some light goes off internally that says, this is my story. And I would be willing to bet that at some point or another, most Christians feel the same. After all, who hasn't in some way wasted something precious that was an undeserved gift? Who hasn't hurt someone they love? Who hasn't struggled to believe that God's love was enough? Who hasn't looked with jealousy at someone else and thought, what about me? The story continually speaks to us because it is true to life. It speaks to us because we are broken and sinful people, and this story speaks to that reality and to our deep desire to be loved unconditionally. The prodigal son squandered his possessions in dis dissolute living, the passage tells us. He thought he knew better than his father, but not, not long after he went out on his own, he, realizes that, he realized that if left to his own devices, things would only get worse. The prodigal realized the truth we must all eventually learn, that our actions come with consequences, and that those consequences can be painful. In the case of the prodigal son, it was having to live with hogs, knowing that he had hurt his father and done as good as wish him dead. The older son in the story connects with us in a very different way. He had been obedient, virtuous, and hardworking. And when he heard about the feast celebrating his brother's safe return, he was angry. He felt that his father had been unfair. And what, ha what parent hasn't heard that? It's not fair. Well, what about me? I did what I was supposed to do. The older son didn't understand the quality of virtue in living is its own reward. He did not see that his own joy existed when he saw the joy of others. He did not know the joy of creating joy. How often do we find ourselves jealously asking God why we suffer while others seem to be blessed? In reality, however, this story is not about the prodigal son or his older brother. It is about the father. This story could just as appropriately be called the parable of the loving father. The father in the story loved and gave without condition, and he did so in three very powerful ways. First, the gift of his love was freely given. The father never controlled the gift. The prodigal son experienced this in two different ways. He was given his portion of inheritance when he asked for it, even though it meant wishing his father was dead. He was given the money with no strings attached. The father did not attempt to control what he did with it. And when the prodigal chose to waste it, the father let him. This free gift of love was seen again when the prodigal returned home. His father did not say, I'll let you back when you've been good, apologized, and repaid what you squandered. Then you can come back to the family. No, the father was constantly looking for him and saw him a far way off and ran to him. He clothed him, put a ring on his finger, and hosted a banquet to celebrate the return 
none of which the son deserved. The father's love was unconditional. The second way that the father loved was in creating an environment of love and acceptance in his home. When the prodigal came to himself, he knew that he could go home. There is no sign of any questioning in the story. He knew that he could go home. When the older brother was angry about what he perceived to be unfair treatment, he knew he could speak with his father and not hold back how he felt. These are signs of a remarkable environment of love. The third way that the father loved was by giving. He gave the prodigal a robe, a ring, an embrace, and a feast, and he gave the older brother everything that he had. It is impossible to love without giving, and this lavish giving of love is the primary evidence of God's presence. This parable is a story about God, a God who is present in all places and relationships where love is the foundation. God is present where love is so abundant that no one hesitates or fears its absence. God is present when love is overflowing. The image of God in the story is of God as a loving father. This is a good image for those who have experienced unconditional love from a parent. But for some who have not experienced this kind of love, the image is obscured. And it's very hard to imagine something that has not been seen. Some of us have only experienced that unconditional love from friends or from a spouse. This too is God's love present in our lives. And all these relationships point us to the fundamental truth that God is always there waiting to embrace us. The loving father ran to the prodigal when he saw him far away. So God is waiting and ready to run and embrace us when we turn from our selfish ways and return to him. This is a story about God's love. It is also a story about us. All of us are either the prodigal son or the older brother. Some of us are a mix of both at the same time. The issue for us is, do we know about God's gift of unconditional love? Can we see it? Can we feel it? Can we believe it? To help us see his gift of love, God the Father gave his only son to take our nature upon him and to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption in the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, the loving God experienced what it meant to be human. He was tempted and suffered as we do in every way but without sin. And by his holy life, death, and resurrection, Jesus destroyed the powers of sin and death which kept us trapped in our selfish ways. In Jesus, God gave us the grace we need to return home. The prodigal came to himself. He saw the error of his ways and turned around to run toward his father. When we fall into sin, we are called to come to ourselves. We are called to turn our lives around and reorient ourselves towards our heavenly father, God and to the family of God that is the church. In other words, we are called to repent. That is, after all, what this whole season of Lent is about. Repentance is an experience of release, relief, and remorse. Release because we experience freedom rather than captivity from our own actions. Relief because we experience peace and joy rather than conflict and apathy 
and remorse because we accept and realize our personal responsibility for what has been sinful and stupid in our lives. This acceptance is freeing because when we admit that we are broken, that we need love, we no longer have to hide our true selves from God, from others, or from ourselves. If we know that God is waiting for our return with open arms, with a love that never changes, it is easy to repent. So if you identify with the prodigal son, come home. If you find yourself feeling like the older brother, open your eyes. If you are a mix of the two, come home with open eyes. Use what is left of this season of Lent to come home to the church. Use this season to cultivate practices of repentance. Come and see the God who is always waiting to run and embrace you. Come to this feast here at this holy table that God has set for you, where instead of a fatted calf, God gives himself, so that as you feast on him, you might grow in faith and love, so that you may share that love with the world. For when we return to the Lord and let his love change us, we become, in the words of St. Paul, new creations. As God's new creations, we are entrusted with a gift, a ministry of reconciliation, to bring all things together in Christ, so that every person in this broken and sinful world might know the power of God's unconditional love. And that gift of love is good news indeed. Amen.